Hey friends, it's me, Katie Ann, and your host of the Full Confidence Head Podcast, where we go on a journey together, tackling the fears of life from family relationships to finance, from careers to community. I am so excited. We are jumping into a little bit of neurodiversity today, which is a topic that we all need to be talking about more, which is coming up in the news a little bit more. It's still sometimes undefined, so we're going to define that today. We have a dear friend of mine, Alyssa DeHart, with us. She has a master's degree in organizational leadership, and she has a lot of impact with neurodiverse individuals. I'm going to introduce her in just a sec, but hang on there. We're going to have our sponsors, then we're going to jump into a beautiful conversation that is useful for everyone and something that we are facing more of today and are understanding more of. So we're so excited. Hang in there with us and listen to our sponsors. Have you ever felt scared swiping your card at a cash register, not knowing if it would be declined or maxed out on your credit limit? Believe me, I've been there holding my breath, waiting to check out. Thankfully, all of that fear melted away and turned into confidence when I took a financial literacy course. The PowerPay Money Master course has changed my experience at the cash register from fearful to fearless. The online course is video-based and gives you real-life money smarts. USU Extension is offering a free Money Master course to all Full Confidence Ahead listeners. Go to extensioncourses.usu.edu slash Powell and add the Money Master course to your cart. The link will give you the $40 course for free you can also get the course discount by going to extensioncourses.usu.edu and finding the Money Master course under the finance category. Use the code KATIEANN, K-A-T-I-E-A-N-N, with no spaces, at checkout to claim your $40 discount and free course. As a podcaster and a one-woman show, it takes a lot of time to record, edit, and produce my episode. There is no way I could run my podcast on my own if I didn't have Podflow. Podflow is an AI-based podcasting tool that enhances audio recordings, writes show notes, and makes audio timestamps all within literally minutes. It's given me the power to be a one-woman show by giving me back my time. If you have your own podcast or are considering making your own, head over to podflow.ai to create your account. Podflow will give you a free trial to get just a taste of their product. And when you're ready to purchase their product, it's affordable and purchased by the month. So you can go month by month with your podcasting process. Get ready to podcast like me and get your Podflow account at podflow.ai. This today, we have Alyssa DeHart on here. I am so excited. Alyssa, do you want to just say hi and then I'll kind of introduce you to our guests really quick? Hi there. Okay, we are so excited to have her on. So like I mentioned in her intro, she has her master's degree in organizational leadership. She got that in 2021 and she did her undergrad in health promotion. So she's been in both in health and leadership for a long time, but her, her kind of purpose of life has been advancing neurodivergent individuals, which is so beautiful. And that has come in different phases throughout her life um, and is definitely apparent in her workforce right now. She's the development coordinator of the Utah Parent Center. And the Utah Parent Center helps um, children, families with children with individuals get resources and have the support and the help that they need. And that's incredible. So she also did her thesis and her master's on the importance of equity in the workplace, specifically looking at disabilities in the workplace. So 
very knowledgeable about this integration of neurodivergent individuals and integrating him and that beautiful connection in society and now working in the field of, of giving them resources. And she has been impacted in so many different ways with either injury, illness, loss, disabilities in her life, but she's also taught people with depression, anxiety, ADD, autism, many other things. So she is quite the woman to talk about neurodiversity today. Um, we are so excited. I think some of the most important titles that you have might be a wife, mother of six, and three grandkids. Is, is that what you would say too, Alyssa? Yes, absolutely. That's the best teacher of them all. It's so true. You know, the home is definitely a teacher and you never know what you're going to learn there some days, right? <laughs> That's right, for sure. And it's also the best, most exciting part of life as well. That is so true. I love that. We are so just honored to have you on. You are so qualified to be talking about this topic with us, especially as you've dealt with this daily, as you work in this field, you've done your master's. We kind of just want to start a little bit with defining neurodiversity because that's sometimes a word that is, at, it's being thrown around more in nomenclature right now, but is it super common? So help us start with there is what is neurodiversity? Okay. Um, well, while we all know that it, um, no two brains function exactly alike, there are kind of typical patterns of humanity and ways of thinking or operating and functioning. And uh, neurodiversity just really highlights that there, it helps explain the unique ways that people's brains work. So um, the average neurotypical person may be able to, for instance, excel at school in very similar um, predictable ways, while somebody who's neurodivergent may need um, different types of approaches to their education or um Maybe it's emotional, social, emotional learning that needs to be taught more deliberately for somebody who has um, a more diverse neurology. So I love that. But I just also want to start our conversation um, with how did you start to become passionate about this with neurodiversity? Um, and I kind of know the backstory and I'd love to hear it from you too, of it, it being in your home too. Is that where the passion started? Like what made this shift of you are, you are like Utah's advocate for this. You're, you're quite the incredible woman with neurodiversity. How did it start with you? Well, Katie Ann, I feel like that's a really generous introduction, by the way. And thank you for that. Um, I, you know, as I review and kind of go through my life, I think it's something that's always been very interesting to me. I know as a child, I was fascinated and had so much admiration for people like Helen Keller, for instance, and to see the beautiful um, dance and immersion of her talents through her teacher, Ann Sullivan, and um, seeing the difference between, you know, the beginning of her story and her parents' Uh, wanting to be able to help her grow and succeed and then yet, you know, not knowing exactly what to do, but then reaching out and finding somebody who was qualified and had more information and how that turned her life around and allowed her to become um, somebody who could communicate and could help others see um, how intelligent and brave and wise and everything that she was. I think another person that I really admire is Temple Grandin. 
And when I say that I admire these individuals, I also really very much admire their parents. Temple Grandin is somebody with autism who um, many, many years ago, you know, as her mother was told she should be institutionalized and her mother instead decided to find other avenues and ways to help her learn and grow. And she was very successful in revolutionizing so many things. So for me, um, those things were always kind of there. I, I remember volunteering at different um, camps and things like that. Um, I guess I was always pretty comfortable with differences. You know, I, I, uh, as a young child, I remember the joy in going to visit elderly people in facilities and um, like singing songs with my Brownie troop or something like that and recognizing the value in those individuals. And, um, and then volunteering at different camps to help um, people who had physical differences. Um, I think part of what helped with that was living in different places. Um, when we were, when I was in uh, second grade, our family decided to move to Hawaii. And so for third and fourth grade, I lived in a place where I was um, different than most of the other people around me. And uh, I saw the the wonderful traditions and ways they celebrated and things like that and and really enjoyed that and valued that also. And then we lived in Yuma, Arizona after that. So for most of my life, I lived in Virginia. Um, but then with those two experiences, it kind of expanded my understanding of the world, which was really helpful. Um, as far as a parent of children um, with disabilities, um, both it's each of our children have different things that they work through. And as a parent, you know, you're always trying to find like what works, what doesn't work. It's kind of like a dance with your whole self and them, right. Trying to find the rhythm that works. Um, our younger two, when we first began to see challenges that they were facing, weren't resolved with what had worked with our older children. Um, my husband and I really needed to start to rethink things and try to figure um, what did these obstacles that we were running into mean. And I think that's kind of the situation when you have a child who's different to try to figure out how you're going to meet those needs. And so there's a lot of um, soul searching and explore, exploration, trial and error, and and then reaching for outside information. And that's kind of where things got really personal and passionate for me was to um, try to figure out how this son that I loved so much could understand his worth and value. And um, second grade is when things got really hard when he was about eight years old and he just was not able to read still. And um, despite all of the methods that we tried and, you know, we had um, four other readers in the house who were doing really well and um, felt like we were part of that. <laughs> so it just seemed to be um, a huge question mark, right? What, what do we do now? And it was actually through another parent, um, I guess, 
when you're kind of hitting those things and those differences, the tendency might be to kind of hold your space and just keep it to yourselves. But really the most important and helpful thing to do is to talk about it a little bit with other people and try to find out what they know. Um, and it's also useful, right. For support to be able to talk to other people. So as I did open up about it a little bit, I found a mom who said, Oh yeah, that's dyslexia. I have three sons and two of them have dyslexia and, um, they, that sounds exactly like what they went through. So that kind of opened the path for me, a new way and removed the barrier that I, I just, you know, it was like a huge roadblock and I just didn't know where to go from there. And her saying that helped me start, um, seeking testing and diagnosis, which were really helpful. When our daughter came to us at 18 months old, um, we knew there were some different things going on and some of them we were attributing to um, just the transitions that she was going through. Um, I did seek um, help in uh, testing for developmental delays and things like that. Um, but because she was learning a new language and um, was adjusting, the, the testing did not show um, developmental delays. So when she was about five years old, we did have speech therapy and occupational therapy services, which seemed to help her grow and progress in, in ways. We also found that she had dyslexia. And so there was some difficulty with reading for her as well. She, uh, it wasn't until she was 13 years old though, that we were, able to have a diagnosis and find that she was on the spectrum for autism. So that helped us um, understand her in new ways and kind of set different um, maybe expectations or um, I guess just kind of built a compassion for her life experience in new ways. And it was, it was really helpful, but it did take a long time. And she was diagnosed in February of 2020. And we all know what happened in March of 2020. Oh, so. boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were really excited to kind of get going with maybe some um, groups or uh, making connections for her that turned out to be different. And still, it also helped us understand the way um, that in some ways, uh, being home through that time was a really great reset and a relief to her because the expectation to meet social, um, norms and things was removed for a while. So we could see that she kind of had a break for that time. That is beautiful. As you're telling your story, I had this question pop up in my head was having a diagnosis for your children. Was that scary or was that a relief or is it kind of both? You know, for me, it was a relief. Mm. I know that there are many uh, people who worry about that 
and are concerned about having a diagnosis that it's a label that it's limiting, I think really the limitations come from our perception of those labels. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for instance, somebody, when you find you have dyslexia um, or that you are dyslexic and there's all different terms people, you know, have comfort levels with or not, as a parent of somebody, you know, who has those disabilities, um, I absolutely respect whichever way a person who has that condition decides to express it um, and understand that words are really important and uh, just more than anything, I think being respectful of how they choose to identify with that. But back to your question about the diagnosis, um, I, well, I know for myself, for instance, um, when I was about um, 29 years old, I had really severe back pain. It was just after our fourth child was born. Um, and he, I, I mean, I'm, I'm talking like not just a little ache because I had a little ache right after he was born and things like that were the, uh, but this was like debilitating, like I could not carry a jug of milk from the back of the grocery store to the front. You know, it was, it was very life altering. It was very hard. I didn't know what was wrong. Um, and to be able to go to the doctor, have an MRI scan and see, oh, there's a herniated disc there that helped me so much to understand how I needed to respond and which types of things I would need to do to recover. Um, which it took a long time to recover and, uh, but having a set, having, I guess, having the, having more information to go on is, um, just like that, you know, I mean, so to know, okay, um, my son has dyslexia, I can now have him use certain types of reading methods, certain types of instruction and ways and modalities to teach him that will help him be able to read. And he does read, he reads well, and he does a great job. Um, he's now 18 years old and he'll be a senior next year. Uh, that doesn't remove the stigma and difficulty and challenges that he faces, but those would be there anyway. So for us, when we had a diagnosis, when we understood what was going on, then I could respond when he said, I am just so stupid. I could say, no, you're not. You're so smart. You show it differently in other ways. And um, when he says things like, I'm just not made for school. And I can say, actually, school's not made for you. So you can do this and you need to find ways um, to learn because life in life, you have to be a lifelong learner, whatever that looks like. Um, it doesn't mean you have to read 100 books a year or anything like that, but you need to be able to figure out how to progress and learn and get more information. Oh, I love that you said in there. You talked about that. Actually, the diagnosis was empowering. The part of society that's difficult is when we associate things with those um, 
labels. I think that's how you said it. So how is this society or how is people, individuals, um, and those of us listening to this podcast, how can we be better at um, being compassionate, understanding, and I'm going to use my own words here of seeing these disabilities or just neurodivergent people and using that and saying that's a superpower, not something because definitely in society, we look back a couple decades ago, we definitely did not have the right words for these neurodivergent people. We definitely did not um, put them in the right light. And I'm so grateful now the conversation is turning because holy cow, there are superpowers to being neurodivergent. Um, there's some of the best contributing members to our society and some of my, my closest friends are neurodivergent, right? Um, and so how would you, how would you tell us to... Um, take the negative stigma away with those societal labels. Well, I love the way you express that. And I think that's exactly the situation to recognize that these are whole people. Um, a disability doesn't mean you're not well. It doesn't mean you're unhealthy. It means you have a difference. And that with that difference, you can actually accomplish different things, right? If we all fought exactly the same, how would anything ever get done? (laughs) So um, I guess valuing the person as a whole person, recognizing that um, we're all trying to make daily incremental gains and letting go of really preconceived or tight little boxes that we all need to fit in to value contributions that people make, um, you know, that, uh, we all have challenges. And so recognizing that this challenge may be more obvious or more life impacting than maybe a challenge that we have can help us approach those things with more generosity. Mm. I really, really, really love what you said. Instead of looking at people and putting, like shoving everyone into a box of how like we should function, look at their contributions to society. I've never thought of it that way. Those are two very different things of one is like, this is how you should wake up. This is how you should do your life. And one is looking at, oh my goodness, look at what they've contributed. I, I love at the beginning of the podcast, you said Temple, I never know how to say your last name, Grandin. I believe so. Okay. I almost want to say Garden because on the I watched the movie about her once, but Grandin. Um what, it was an movie. Oh, she like revolutionized farming. It was yes. crazy. And agriculture. And it was using her ability. It was totally looking at and seeing her differences and saying, like, wait, but my differences actually make a more comfortable space to animals, to mm-hmm. this. And she created uh, oh it's just amazing um more humane ways to treat our animals um and like totally revolutionized uh, farming which is incredible that movie was actually something that um we watched together my son and I right after he was diagnosed with dyslexia and as we were kind of in the thick of what do we do how do we handle this and I he was very young you know a, a second grader but I remember watching him and looking at him periodically throughout the um, movie and seeing uh, kind of light bulbs go on in his mind and um, getting a depth of understanding that this was an important thing that she had a difference because then she could make the difference that she did. 
No, it's so beautiful. So beautiful. I, I have one question before we wrap up, but um, I just want to touch for just a few minutes on the importance of equity in the workplace, your thesis. So in a few short thoughts, and that's like summarizing a thesis in a couple of sentences, that's hard, but um, can you express to me the importance of neurodivergent people in the workplace or just in our communities in general? Yeah, I think um, we've talked in several ways about it already, just the contributions that can be made, the differences that um, come, the perspective shifts, I think, are tremendous. I know my son has really tremendous talents. He's very artistic. He's musical. Um, he has mechanical prowess, you know, and can put things together. Um, his older brother, who is very, very smart in typical ways and who, you know, like school is his oyster and he loves it, um, was putting together a bike years ago and um, was looking at it and trying to do it. and. Um, and then the younger brother came right over and said, okay, scoot over. I can see what you need to do and just put that bike right together. No problem. So those kinds of things where some of us who are typical will be kind of stuck or trying to figure out they can come in and have this fresh perspective and just here's the way through it. In some ways, they've got a big picture view that allows them to take the reins in a whole different way and move things forward. That is so beautiful. And don't we all want that, right? In our lives, in our communities, in our workplaces. I I, I think the one thing so novel that you said that touched me was instead of having these boxes of norms, looking at someone with their contribution, like two totally different things and yet seeing a person more holistically instead of like day-to-day -day functions, and wow, then you can really see like, holy cow, such a contributing member to my team who might be neurodivergent, who is contributing in fast ways, like so many different ways. So I love that you said that. And as we wrap up, I want to ask a question that we ask all of our, all of our, um, I want to ask like a billion more questions to you about neurodiversity. That's the truth. But, but as our it time is fascinating is. when you kind of let go of the concern or, um, you know, pity or anything like that, that somebody might be tempted mm -hmm. to do, then it's really captivating and exciting and just fun to see the different ways that we communicate. Oh, it's so true. It's beautiful. It's, oh. We just want to have like a six hour conversation, but I'm sure our podcast listeners are finishing up their, their drives to work. And as we wrap up, uh, what is one piece of advice you give your younger self to boost your confidence? One thing I tell my younger self is don't take things too seriously. Lighten up a little, uh, recognize that when we take ourselves too seriously, we can get into a lot of trouble. So I think that's also the key to parenting is recognize that the things that your child is experiencing are not your things. They're their things and you're there to support and help and guide them, but it's not about you. That is beautiful. I think we all need to hear that too. <laughs> oh man, we have loved our time with you. I also want to know, um, 
for those parents who are listening out there and saying, you know what, that might be my child. How can they connect with the Utah Parent Center? So we have, we're online. We have a website. Um, and then on that website, it's www.utahparentcenter.org. Um, you, there are phone numbers and contact spaces that you are able to reach out and we are able to help and connect you with any member of our team um, who are also parents of children with disabilities. That's a really unique thing about the Utah Parent Center is these are people who are not just educated in um, disability, but also who have lived and cared for people with disability. So they really know what they're talking about and have the compassion to have a conversation with you. I, I think that's one of the most beautiful parts of the Utah Parent Center. I will drop that link in the show notes of this podcast. So if you're listening to this and you're like, you know what, that's either me, my family, that could be a huge resource to us or um, someone that you know that this has been an impact, call them. Man, it's such a wonderful resource. They are there to support you through your journey. Like that is the whole purpose of the Utah Parent Center. So I'll drop that in our links, make sure to go and connect there. And we are so grateful that you've been on with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Katie Ann. It was a pleasure to talk with you. After every episode, I'm amazed at what each of our guests have accomplished in their lives. They inspire me to go for my dreams and seize opportunities. The reality of life is that every opportunity and dream has a financial implication and knowing how to manage and grow your money will not only help you achieve your goals, but also get to them faster. Utah Money Moms has been a resource for me to learn how to better manage my money and turn my dreams into reality. Their website is full of interactive material to engage all learning styles. My favorite resource is their free monthly webinars where I can listen and have my questions answered by financial counselors and educators. Head on over to utahmoneymoms.com or utahmoneymoms on Instagram to access free empowering material. Again, that is utahmoneymoms.com or utahmoneymoms on Instagram. Thanks for listening in on the Full Confidence Ahead podcast. Weekly on Tuesdays, we'll continue our journey of confidence together through new interviews and insights. Make sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on the latest conversations and confidence boosts. And by the way, you got this because you deserve to live life full confidence ahead. See you next week.